0: And I stand up here. That'll be, That'll be it. Get out of here right away. No. No, we're we're good. All right. We're in Psalm one forty three. We are in verse two. All we got was verse one done last week. This you may have I'm sure you've heard it. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray. This is my heart's cry day unto day. I long to know thy will and thy way. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray. Power in prayer, Lord, power in prayer. Here, mid-earth sin and sorrow and care. Men lost and dying, souls in despair. Oh, give me power, power in prayer. Living in thee, Lord, and thou in me, constant abiding, this is my plea. Grant me thy power boundless and free, power with men, and power with thee. I need God's power. I need God's help, especially in time of need, in time of difficulty, in time of struggle, and, and, and when the pressure's on, as the psalmist talks about, In verse 3, for the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. That's a pretty bad situation, don't you think? And so the psalmist needed God's help. And so he uh, prays and he asked God for a number of different things. And so we've already started and we just went over it again. We've asked God, or you should ask God to hear, to hear intelligently, intently, immediately, if you recall, uh, that we see in verse, both in verse 1 and in verse 7. Then ask God to answer in verse 1. Now, in verse 2, we find this uh, another request, another thing. He asks God to be gracious or merciful. I think either way you could use that because uh, many times those ter- terms are used in tandem with one another. He says, and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Spurgeon was talking about Psalm 143. I'd love to read Spurgeon on, on the Psalms. In fact, I, I've, I've told you before, I, I'd encourage you to get If you want a commentary on the Psalms that's practical down to earth, read or get Spurgeon on the Psalms. It's like a three-volume uh, book. And, um, and he not only gives you a, a great, um, if you would, Commentary on each one of the chapters, but then uh, he goes through the chapter again and he quotes various men on the verses throughout each psalm, and they are just wonderfully encouraging and helpful. So that's free, all right? I don't usually advise someone to get, but I found the commentary to be very helpful. And one of the things he said is this psalm uh, is called by the Jews a penitent psalm. Did I say something about that last week? It's called one of the penitent psalms. It's further question, because there really doesn't seem to be in the psalm any place except possibly verse two, where the psalmist is kind of saying, "Well, Lord, you know I'm in trouble and I sin." Uh, and then he explains it this way: uh, there are six other penitent psalms, and Jews believe that numbers are very important, and so he felt like they needed to have number. Seven for the number of completion, and so they had to add one, and this one just happened to be it. And they, they would argue, if you would ask the Jews why, they would argue that verse two is telling us that he was in sin. It's not telling you that he was in sin, though. If you look at verse two, he, he's just asking God not to do what, quite honestly, none of us could ask, you know, all of us would ask God to be gracious in If God would deal with us after our iniquities, the Bible tells us, no one would stand. No one would. If God would mark our iniquities, if God would would bring us into account for every single thing we do, probably just about every day, none of us would stand before God. Holy and just. And that is his concern in verse 2. And so, in essence, he's saying, God, look, I need you to be gracious unto me. I just need you, to, to, Lord, to to look at my circumstances, look at what's going on, and I'm asking, Lord, that you wouldn't, uh, if you would be picky about every sin in my life, uh, not because he didn't care about those things, but because he seemed to be dealing with things in his life. And he seemed to be at least in tune with God here in this song. And he's saying, God, I just need you to be gracious. Um, It's important for me to always remember this. I don't come before God with rights. I come before God with requests. Because I I don't deserve anything from God. Quite honestly, if I got what I deserve from God, I would spend eternity in hell. I am a sinner saved by grace. And I deserve nothing from the end of God. But I serve a God who is gracious. And he invites me to come boldly to the throne of grace. But you know... When he says to come boldly to the throne of grace, that verse even reminds us that it's a throne of grace. So even though we have things in our lives that might merit God ignoring our requests, we can still humbly come to God and say, Lord, I need your gracious hand. Look, if you would, not just at verse 2, but look at verse 8, where he says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust... Um, Verse 8 is another appeal for grace, for God to to supernaturally act on his behalf, even though he was undeserving. The idea is this. I love the way it's worded. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Uh, The idea is at the break of the day, the first thing in the day, without giving attention to other things, God, please show me kindness. Show me your loving kindness. I need it. Don't you? And by the way, isn't that wouldn't that be a request you would bring before the Lord when the pressure's on? I mean, it's just about, in verse 3, it's a serious situation here. Uh, life and death many times with David in his life. So he's coming to God and he's saying, God, I need you to be gracious. And it'd be nice if you were gracious this morning. <laughs> it'd be gra- nice if you were gracious first day. If you take care of mine before you get to the other list of things you've got to take care of, Lord, then it would be a great blessing. I just need to hear and to see your loving kindness. By the way, he says, I want, notice this too. I thought it was interesting. Cause me to not experience, but cause me to what? In verse 8, cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Isn't that interesting? Cause me to hear thy loving-kindness. Why would he ask for that? One author explained it this way, the voice of thy loving-kindness or thy mercy and favor permit me to hear thee addressing me in the language of kindness and with the assurance of mercy. Now, God doesn't speak words audibly to us. You, You shouldn't be hearing voices. All right? But God's Spirit does within, make the fact that God loves us and God cares for us. And by the way, God does speak to us many times. Not in that audible voice, but have you been going through a difficult time and God just through an event, through a circumstance, maybe through a letter, maybe through an email, maybe through just a text, God sent you a message. And you know it was a message from God. It might have been a friend who wrote praying for you. It might have been just a a beautiful sunset you saw, and you're reminded that there's a mighty God in heaven that cares for you. I I don't know how, but I do know this. There have been many ways that God has made it known to me he cares. Isn't that encouraging? Do you ever experience that? If not, you can pray for it. God, I need you to be gracious Um, because we serve a gracious God. Now you can ask God for something else. Look in verse uh, in verse seven. I know we skipped a few verses, but we'll we'll come through the psalm again, looking at other aspects. And he says in verse seven, as we've already looked at, "Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth." And then notice this: Hide not thy face from me. And remember, we've already looked at the "Hear me." So in verse 7, the next thing he asks for is for God's presence. Um, one of the realities in difficulty is an overwhelming sense of being alone. You ever, you ever felt that way? No one understands me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how I feel. You ever use those words? And if you didn't use them, you haven't been thinking of them? Yeah, sure. You don't have any idea the pressure I'm under right now. Um, Sometimes Sometimes we feel all alone. Sometimes in trouble, uh, there's burdens we can't share with others. And some, even if we could express them, people just wouldn't understand. But here's the, the wonderful truth, and this is what he prays about. Lord, hide not they face from me. Lord, I I need your presence. Um, No one else may understand what I'm going through, but God does, and he cares. And and I I can ask him for his presence and expect it, because he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So... Have you prayed for his presence? Um, God's presence is promised in so many different ways. I love Psalm Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Um, uh, Hebrews 13.5. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Um, Isaiah 41.10. Fear. Thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So look, uh, God's promised it, but there's nothing wrong with the believer asking for it. And then we find in verse 8 yet another thing to be praying for. He asks God for direction. And uh, I also put wisdom there. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in Thee do I cause me to know the way wherein I should walk; for I lift up my soul unto Thee. Ask God for direction or wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and granteth not it shall be given him. Isn't that what James one five tells us? Okay. What is the context of James one? Trials. Count it all joy, verse 2, when you fall into diversification. And he goes through and he explains a number of things about trials, about problems, and and verse 5 is not the absolute conclusion, but it's part of it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And listen, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times where I don't know what to do in trouble. Um, David prayed many times, Lord, what do I do next? been reading through um, the, uh, let's see, the, the writings of the kings. Kings and Samuel and going through the life of David and and Saul, uh, going through and, and uh, a number of times I found David to be one who was just saying, God, what do I do next? He got to Ephod a few different times uh, and he said, God, I need your direction. Show me. Give me wisdom. Now, God doesn't Speak again audibly to his children today, because he's given his spirit to dwell within. But God does give wisdom. You ever ever been lost, not know the way to go? In your trouble, maybe you've been that way on the road, you know, and uh, and maybe your um, your GPS isn't directing you the right way. You ever had one of those situations, <laughs> or I don't know where to go now. You know, and then you go in and ask someone, and they have no idea what you're even talking about. I don't know where that road is. Don't know where that place is. Never been there. You know you're in trouble when you're in a place like that. Um, so where do I go? What do I do? Um, I can ask God for wisdom. Lord, I need to know what step to take. I want to go know the path you want me to do. Ask. Ask. So ask God for direction, or for wisdom. Ask God. I think Brother Farrington mentioned this one for deliverance. Verse nine: Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. That's pretty simple. One didn't even have to really consider it all that much. Even alliterated with the point before that. All right. Ask God for uh, deliverance. And what's great about this? Look, verse nine is talking about deliverance from, from physical enemies, right? Look if you would at verse eleven quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Um, this is great. God, God has the ability to deliver me physically from enemies. God has the ability to deliver me emotionally from the the turmoil that goes on inside. In the midst of trials. Um, so I can ask Him for deliverance and again I, I think sometimes we expect uh, some like poof miraculous thing to end our problems. That's not necessarily how God works. In fact sometimes God uses the difficulty to develop us but we can ask God for deliverance and we can expect him in the right time to do what's right by us. Now, David, David could actually ask God, deliver me, if this was indeed during the time when he's running from Saul, because God promised him a kingdom. We've already brought that out a few different times. We may not necessarily have the same promises, but we can ask God for deliverance because God has the ability. And because God delights in doing that, whether my problems are physically or my problems are in my soul, emotionally. And by the way, I, I've said this so many times, but it's so true. I, it really concerns me how many Christians today are looking to psychology for emotional help when God is the answer for emotional problems. He is. He's the one that can help you internally. Um, verse t- 10, ask God for instruction. And we, maybe we could have said... Uh, tied it in with direction, that's that would have been fine. But I want another point here, okay? Ask God for instruction. Verse 10 Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Hey, listen, you're gonna ask God for deliverance, you're gonna ask God for help in your difficulty, if you're gonna ask God for something in your time of need, then you got to be willing to do what he wants you to do. And there needs to be an God Show me what your will is. What, what is your way? What do you want me to do? God, I will follow whatever it is. Teach me your uh, way. Teach me to do thy will. Ask God for instruction. Um, and I am thankful God does that. Now, look at the, the word there, though. You see, you see the word teach me? I, I first thought was that I can ask God for knowledge of his will. Kind of like verse eight gives, but the word teach is interesting. The literal meaning of that word is goad, um, and we've explained what a goad is before. But does anyone know? Can anyone tell me quickly what a goad is? Okay, um, you know, today I'm going to make a electronic example today. Zappos, you know, up, uh, some uh, cattle, cattle gets beast. out of line. Whatever. Well, the goat was a pointed stick, basically, and it was used to guide cattle, guide animals, the direction they wanted them to go. So if they got out of line, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. okay, get them back in the right path. Uh, The psalmist, in essence, was saying, "Okay, God, to me. My sinful heart, many times, goes the wrong way." especially trouble and I need to be willing to say, God whatever it takes, get me back and bring it in granddad. teach get me in the right direction because I want to move right and our stubborn heart like my cattle doesn't want to go for thousands we thousands of need. and that's a lot of times a problem, that may even be the reason why the trouble is here He's God saying, this is the way we need to go. And we're like, going this way. So, Lord, go to me. Hey, Lord, whatever I need, crowd me in the right direction. Show me. Give me the instruction that I need for life. And God does that because he loves us. The Bible says in Hebrews, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Um, When you pray, God, I want to know your will. That means, God, I want you to goad me. Teach me. Show me what I need. And finally, you can ask God for strength. Verse 11 is quicken me, O Lord. Give me life. I need it. Trials have a way of sapping the life out of you. You ever been there, going through hard? Isn't it amazing how you go through a hard time, you're just exhausted all the time, so tired. And uh, trials have a way of sapping your energy. Just you don't sleep well sometimes. Um. So you're tired because of that, then then you got the pressure and the, and just the continual you know the churning inside. It's going on, just exhausting. So he says, Lord, quicken me for Thy name's sake. Give me, give me life. Um, at the lowest point in life, I can ask God for strength. By the way, that's what grace is. You know that it's the supernatural enabling of God. For undeserving sinners. That's what it is. Uh, for when I am weak, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, then am I strong. He learned about God's grace, and God's grace brings strength. So ask God for strength. You can do that. Um, a well-known young lady had a diving accident, left her a paraplegic And she made this statement, moral, physical, and social weaknesses share something in common. All three are pins that prick the balloon of our self-importance. All are magnifying glasses which reveal every spot and stain of pride in our lives. Our weaknesses are megaphones that shout, this person is nothing without God. I am nothing without God. I need Him. I need His strength. I need His wisdom. I need His goading. I need, I need His grace. And I, here's the thing. Psalm 143 says, "Great prayerless." So the next time trials come your way, tonight got a great prayer list to learn from and then take with you and make requests. Because a man after God's own heart prayed this way. Certainly certainly we can learn from this day. So I hope you learn to pray and pray effectively. Father I thank you for your word. Thank you so much for the direction you give us and the help. Thank you for the things that the psalmist prayed for in this psalm that can encourage us In our prayer life, especially at times of great difficulty, and may we learn to pray as the psalmist did. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.